Hey, welcome everyone to Christ Fellowship Church Online. My name is Carlos, and I serve as one of the teaching pastors here at Christ Fellowship. And wherever you are, we want to say thank you for joining us today. And I want to give a huge shout out uh, to all of our home gatherings that are meeting all across uh, the city of Miami. I'm actually with a group of people. This is a group of audience, a little home gathering here. So let's welcome them as well. Thank you guys uh, for being here. And uh, we are at our West Kendall campus. And so I want to give a huge, massive shout out to Pastor Van and the West Kendall team. We love you guys. I was a part of this campus many years ago, and so this campus is very uh, special. Well, today is part two of this series that we've entitled Marriage on the Rocks. And so if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to begin in verse 18. We're going to really focus on verse 18 for today. Here's what the Word of God says. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. You know, many of you may know this about me, but Shawnee and I, my wife and I, we started our marriage journey uh, over eight years ago. In fact, a couple weeks ago, we celebrated our eighth year anniversary. This is a picture of us uh, celebrating. And uh, my wife is actually here in the audience. And so, babe, I'm so glad that you're here. But when we started our marriage relationship, we went on our honeymoon to the beautiful country, the beautiful island of Jamaica. In fact, how many of you, if you're from Jamaica, you can make a comment on the social media platform. You know, I love Jamaica. Like there's so many amazing, beautiful things to enjoy in that country. However, there is this one excursion. There's this one tour that is the most popular one where hundreds and thousands of people visit every year. And it is the excursion of walking up the Don River Falls. I want to tell you, that place is amazing. It's this beautiful waterfall of about 180 feet in height. And the way it works is that you begin in the bottom of the mountain and you go with a group of people. And the goal is to go up the mountain with the waterfall coming down. But here's how this works. Because in order for you to make it to the finish line, you have to work as a team. And each person has a specific role or specific function that they have to do in order to make it to the finish line. And so I had to lead the way and I had to follow all the directions, all the instructions from the tour guide. And my wife had to emulate every step that I took so that we can make it to the top. But don't miss this because the moment that someone does not do their role, the moment that someone does not function how they're supposed to function, at that moment, you won't make it to the top. In fact, you can actually get hurt by walking up in the waterfall. Thankfully, we made it all the way uh, to the top. But don't miss the point in all of this, because I want to bring all of that over to our teaching for today. Because what an image of how marriages are supposed to function. See, in a marriage, just like in the Dunn River Falls tour, every person has a specific role in the same way. In fact, this is our big idea for today. God has given a specific role to each spouse. Now, you might be thinking, you know, Pastor Carlos, I, I'm tracking with you and, 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 and I get that, but, but you don't understand, Pastor Carlos, 
my marriage is a disaster. You don't understand, my marriage is falling apart. Our marriage is on the rocks. I mean, things started really well in the inception of our marriage, in the beginning. But then, you know, now it feels like a battle zone, like a war zone. Every time I go home, we're always arguing. We're never on the same page. It doesn't feel like a marriage anymore. But now it feels like I am living with a roommate. So what is that specific role that God has entrusted to me? And how do I live out that role? Well, we're going to find out today as we go through this passage in Colossians chapter 3. And so we love to take notes here. In fact, everyone here has their Bibles open. Yeah, awesome, guys. If you're out there, you know, open up your iPad, your laptop, whatever device you use to take notes. And so here's the first point that I want you to write down today. God has given, it's our big idea, but I want you to write it down as well. God has given each spouse a specific role. Now, I want to take us back to Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. Because look at what the Word of God says. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Now, if we read the passage in this passage, the Apostle Paul is making an illustration. He compares the marriage relationship to the relationship that we as the church have with Jesus. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, look at what the Word of God says. This is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In other words, husbands, your role as the spiritual leader is to sacrificially love your wife. In fact, write that down as your next point. Husbands, sacrificially love your wife. Just like Jesus gave his entire life for you and I, just like Jesus came down to serve us, just like Jesus came down and gave it all for us, in the same way, husband, you are to give yourself up for your wife. You are to serve her. You are to protect her. You are to pursue her, to nurture her, just like Jesus did to us. In other words, the example here is that the husbands emulate the example of Jesus. That's the role. Now, he then talks to the wives and look at Colossians chapter 3. I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 24. He says, now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit. Now, just like the husbands emulate the example of Jesus, wives, you emulate the example of the church. Now, here's what I want to say. This weekend, we're going to focus on the role of the wives. All right, ladies? For the next two weekends, I promise you, we're coming hard on the hubbies. All right? The next two weekends, we're going to focus on the role of the husband. For, for today, it's the role of the wife. Now, I want to read Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. Because here's what the Word of God says. Wives, submit to your husbands. Now, I know what you're thinking. The moment that you read the word submit, and you're watching us right there, maybe you're married, remarried, or divorced, or whatever situation. When you read that verse, you start thinking, Pastor Carlos, how am I supposed to submit to my husband? You just don't get it. 
You don't know the man that he is. You don't know how he acts at home. He puts a facade at church. You don't know my hubby. How am I supposed to submit? Now, ladies, just stay with me because I promise you that we're going to learn some biblical, practical truths that can apply to your marriage, no matter what spectrum you are in, that I think that will be very helpful. And so if you're taking notes, I want you to circle or underline that word submits. We've told you many times that the New Testament was first written in Greek and then translated into other languages. And that word submit in the Greek is the word huputasso. In fact, say with me, huputasso. Say it like you mean it, huputasso. You know, that word has such a unique concept because the idea behind that word is this idea of a voluntary attitude to assume a special responsibility. And I love that because that word submission, it wasn't this idea of this force submission or this thing that people were mandated or obligated to do. No, no. If you were to go back into the first century, the word submission, hupotasso, was the thing that people would embrace that responsibility. They would embrace that role. You know, to be honest with you, the moment that we read the word submission, what we think of is like this man who's a tyrant and is barking orders and the wife has to just be a servant and you can do this, you cannot do this, you can wear this, you cannot wear this. And we think of these things. That's not what biblical submission is. And sometimes some men who say they're godly will manipulate this verse to justify their ego, to justify their pride, to justify their sense of identity or worth. That's not what biblical submission is. In fact, I want you to write this down and don't miss this, ladies. If you're single, this is so helpful for you. Biblical submission is that the wife honors and affirms your husband's leadership. You honor and affirm your husband's leadership. See, submission is not this bad thing, but rather submission is a God thing. Submission is not a bad thing, but rather submission is a God thing. But sometimes this word gets distorted and the view of this word, we think of this image of this authoritative, overbearing husband who is just barking orders and the wife has to do everything that he tells him to do. You know, the interesting thing about this passage, the Apostle Paul writes in verse 20, you know, he's talking about the family relationship. And in verse 20, look at what the Bible says. He's talking to children now. He says, children, obey your parents and everything when he's talking to children. But when he's talking to the wives, he doesn't say, wives, obey your husband and everything. But rather he uses the word wives submit to your husbands. In other words, he is making a distinction. Your husband is not like this dad figure telling you what to do and what not to do, but rather biblical submission is that you honor and you affirm your husband's leadership. He is the leader of the home. He is supposed to be the spiritual leader of the home. He leads the way and the wife honors and affirms his leadership. You know, there are two common misconceptions. There are other misconceptions, but there are two common misconceptions when it comes uh, to submission. You see, submission does not mean that it's absolute 
obedience. In fact, write that down as your next point for today. It doesn't mean that it's absolute obedience. In fact, look at what the Word of God says in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is what? Fitting in the Lord. Your submission, wives, is to submit to God first, then your husband. In other words, if your husband ever puts you in a place that you're compromising the will of God or the word of God, you don't submit to him. You don't follow his lead. You don't honor and affirm that because your submission first is to God. So it's not always absolute obedience. Here's the next common misconception. Oftentimes we think that submission means that you are inferior. We are all equal in the eyes of God, male or female. Doesn't matter what your gender is. Doesn't matter where you're from. Doesn't matter what culture you are from. We are all equals in the eyes of God. And can I remind you today, ladies, just because you submit to your husband does not make you inferior to your husband. You see, Jesus, when he walked on earth, he was God and is God. And Jesus and God the Father are one. They're equal. However, all over the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Bible says that Jesus submitted to the will of God the Father. It did not mean that he was inferior to God. No, he's God. But yet he was functioning in his role. It's the same way. I want to remind you ladies today that your identity does not come in your husband. Your identity does not come in your home. Your identity does not come from your children. Your identity does not come from a man, but rather your identity comes in Jesus Christ alone. I'm preaching to someone today at their home gatherings. See, the moment that you trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God's word says in 1 Peter 2, 9, that you are God's royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You have been chosen and you are God's special possession. God's word says in Ephesians 2.10 that you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. God's word says in Psalm 139 that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Your identity comes from Jesus. And just because you submit to your husband's leadership does not make you less than. Don't ever let anyone tell you that, that you're less than your hubby because you are honoring and affirming his leadership. Now, you might be thinking, you know, hey, Pastor Carlos, I'm tracking with you, and thank you for clarifying this idea of submission, and I want to honor and affirm my husband's leadership. So, so how do I do that in a practical way? Well, I want to give us five practical, easy ways that you can apply into your marriage. There are many other ways that you could honor and affirm your husband's leadership, but I'm going to give us four practical ways for all the wives out there. And single ladies, this is really good for you as well. Here's the first point that I want you to write down today. Honoring and affirming your husband's leadership begins with respecting your husband. Respect your husband. In fact, look at what the Word of God says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. 
In Ephesians 5, the Apostle Paul in verse 21 begins to talk about the marriage relationship. He talks about 13 verses that have to do with marriages. And at the end of this passage, he encapsulates this entire passage by saying two things. Husbands, basically, I want you to love your wife sacrificially, like Christ loves you. Wives, honor and respect your husband. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husband. You see, the reason why Paul says this is because God wired us differently. Women have a desire to feel loved. They have a desire to feel loved by their husband. Men want and need to be respected. You know, last weekend, Pastor Omar talked about this small group that we have to offer called Love and Respect. And if you did not sign up, I hope everybody in this audience, you signed up, right? You guys signed up? You all better have signed up. So he talked about this Love and Respect small group, and it is so, so good. Dr. Emerson talks about this. And one of the things that he did is he conducted a survey to thousands of couples all over the country. And one of the questions that he asked was, whenever you are in an intense argument, whenever you are in a fight with your husband, with your spouse, and things get really intense, did you feel unloved or did you feel disrespected? Did you feel unloved or did you feel disrespected? 90% of women said they felt unloved. 90% of men said they felt disrespected. Why? Because we were created differently. We were wired differently by God. And can I tell you something, ladies? Maybe your hubby hasn't told you this, but I'm going to tell you from a man. Most men, if not all men, desire to be respected and have, are, are drawn, gravitate towards the things that bring them respect. For example, if they feel respected at work, if they feel respected because of their position, their title in their career, or because of their business, and yet the moment they go home, they feel disrespected, they're going to gravitate to their job, towards their job. They're going to gravitate towards those things. If they feel a sense of respect amongst their colleagues, friends, a relationship, and yet the moment they step foot into a home, to their home, they feel disrespected, they're going to instinctively gravitate towards those things. You want to know something, ladies? Make sure that you're paying attention to this. There are few things that will destroy your marriage more than being disrespectful to your husband. There are few things that will destroy your marriage more than being disrespectful to your husband. You want your marriage to be on the rocks? You want to destroy your marriage? Be disrespectful. And so the first step in honoring and affirming your husband's leadership, it begins with respect. Here's the point, next point that I want you to write down. Another way that you can honor his leadership is by affirming your husband's strengths and helping him in his weaknesses. Affirming his strengths and helping him in his weaknesses. Look at what the word of God says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Therefore, encourage, say with me, encourage. encourage. Say it like you mean it, encourage. encourage one another and build one another up just as you're doing. That word encourage in the Greek means to strengthen. It means to edify. It means to build up. 
How are you using your words to edify, build up, strengthen your husband? How are you using your words to build up, strengthen, edify your husband? You know, oftentimes the things that we used to celebrate while we were dating are the things that frustrate us now that we're married. Oftentimes the things that we used to celebrate while we were dating now frustrate us that we're married. Oh, yeah, yeah. When you were dating Bobby or Michael or Mark Jackson, oh, my goodness, I love his sense of humor. He's so funny. He is hilarious. I mean, he makes a joke out of everything. I could be having a discouraging, depressing day. And the moment I'm in his presence, ah, I'm filled with happiness and joy. Every social gathering and party that we go to, he makes everyone laugh. When you're dating, now that you're married, the laughter is annoying. The humor gets to your nerves. He's always making a joke out of everything. Everything is a sarcastic comment. Stop it. Can you be serious for once? When you were dating, you loved how easygoing he is. Have you met Mark? <laughs> he is so easygoing. He goes with the flow. You know, he never pushes back. I mean, you got to find a man like Mark. <laughs> you loved how passive he was. When you're married, oh my goodness, his passivity is driving me crazy. <laughs> Can you ever step up to the plate and make a decision? Like they say in Spanish, ponte las pilas, mijo. Come on, make something happen. When you, were when you were dating, you loved how he worked hard. He was driven, ambition. He would set all these goals and he started businesses and he would move up within a company. When you were dating, now that you're married, you're frustrated with him because all he does is work seven days a week never makes time for you and your marriage and your relationship. When you were dating, he was the cool guy with thousands of followers on social media. I'm marrying the cool guy. Isn't Johnny so cool? He's so popular. I love it. When you're married, you're frustrated because now you're having to compete with all his friends. Everyone wants to gravitate and hang out with him. And now you feel like you're always in competition with all of his friends and co colleagues. You see how this works? There's a reason why you married your husband. There are some strengths that whether or not you sometimes don't see it or not, there's some strengths that he has. So you affirm that strength and you help him in his weakness. So for example, you say, hey, I love your sense of humor. You are the funniest guy in the planet. You always make me laugh. But baby, 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 baby. Sometimes you got to stop with the jokes. You got to. Be serious at times. When we're having a conversation that's formal, I mean, you gotta not make a sarcastic comment. Love, I love how easygoing you are. I love how passive you are. You go with the flow. But baby, the man has to lead. Come on, step up to the plate sometimes. Baby, baby, I love how you provide for our family. I love your work ethic. I love how you work hard. You make things happen. You're type A, driven, ambitious. You do so well, babe. Strength. But baby, when we're in the dinner table having dinner with our children, don't pick up the phone to talk to a client or to a business partner. Set the right proper boundaries 
to protect our marriage, to protect our family. You see how this works? You affirm his strengths and then you help him in his weaknesses because oftentimes our strength can also be our weakness. Passion is good, but passion sometimes can be bad. So you affirm his strength and you help him with his weaknesses. Here's the next point that I want you to write down today. Support your husband's decision-making. Look at what the Word of God says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. God has given the responsibility of leadership to your husband. Spiritually, financially, he leads that home. He carries that burden. And wives, can I tell you something? That that should be liberating to you. You should be freed from that. That ultimately God is going to hold him accountable for how things are done in your home. How healthy or unhealthy your marriage is. And there's decisions that you're going to have to make as a couple. Every decision. And Shawnee knows. Shawnee's here. She can tell you. Every decision, whether small or big, I always consulted with Shawnee. We always talk about it. And because I want to love her like Christ loves me, most of the time, we do what she wants to do. No, most of the time, I was like, yeah. But there are certain times where we may disagree, and I have to make a decision. You know, for many years, we've been uh, trying to find a home. We're trying to buy a home in the Palmetto Bay area. And we had gotten to a point that we got a little desperate because we've put some offers in other homes, and they've fallen through. They haven't gone through. And so we went into this home. Nice community went in. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is the home that God has for us. This is the home for our family, for our children. I started visioning, envisioning Noah and Nathan and Everly playing in the backyard. And oh my God, what we can do here. So we get out of the home and it's a little bit of a fixer upper. And Sean, I asked Shani, babe, what do you think of the home? Say, yeah, yeah, well, it was good. You know, I mean, she was on the fence, but I'm like, no, babe. So I started casting vision to her. I'm like, babe, we will remodel the kitchen. Babe, we'll make our master room much nicer. We'll tear down a wall. You're going to be closer to Target and Trader Joe's. <laughs> and so I started casting vision. You know how it is. This is it. This is it, babe. So we're like, okay, we're going to pray about this. This is a massive decision. And so we said, we're going to pray about this. And if the home, if they give it to us at the price that we want, then we know it is God leading us to that home. So we start praying. We put an offer. We start going back and forth. Finally, the offer, they accept the offer. So we begin the due diligence process, which you have to start with an inspection. So I get someone who I know and I can trust. So he does the inspection. He tells me, Carlos, Carlos, that home has a plethora of issues. I mean, you got so many issues in that home that they're not going to probably insure your home and when you don't get insurance, you cannot get financing from a bank. And so by the grace of God, we were able to get out of this deal. But here's what I love. Never did Shawnee say, I told you so. I told you that home wasn't for us. I told you it had a lot of issues. <laughs> Talking about Target and Trader Joe's. That home had a lot of issues. She never told me that. Never. And in the process, she said, babe, I trust 
your leadership. There are times where your husband may not make the wisest decision, but God has called you to support that decision. Now, I'm not saying there's some cases that are extreme. I'm not saying to support, you know, there's some cases, but for the most part, there are times that we may not make the best decision, but you know what it does to a man when the wife is supporting it in that decision? You see, because men carry the burden, the responsibility of leading the home in every aspect. And so I'm so thankful that my wife, even in that process, was trusting me in the entire time. And here's the last point that I want you to write down today. And this is perhaps the most important. This is the most important point. Pray for your husband. Pray for your husband. Look at what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12. The word of God says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. Aren't you thankful that you serve and worship of God who listens to all your prayers? Listen, maybe you're there and you're like, Pastor Carlos, my marriage is a disaster. You don't know my husband. You don't know how far away from God he is. You don't know the things that he does to me. I want to remind you today that there is power in prayer. God not only listens to your prayer, but God is attentive to your prayer. You know what happens sometimes is that women, wives, will talk about their husbands to everyone else, to their friend, to a co-worker, to a neighbor, to a family member. And they will talk negative things about their husband to everyone else. And they neglect to talk to God about their husband. Wives, when was the last time you prayed for your husband? When was the last time you took time and you came to the presence of God and you prayed for your hubby. Oftentimes, we can easily pray for our children, our son, our daughter. We can pray for their schooling, our home, our finances, a job opportunity. But when it comes to the most important relationship on this earth that we have with someone else, oftentimes, we neglect to pray for our husband. You know, I'm a pastor, but I'm a sinner saved by grace. And there are flaws that I have. There are shortcomings that I have. There are mistakes that I make. And I know us men, we're, we're, we're not easy. But several years ago, I saw my wife that she bought these prayer cards, these cards here. And they were prayer cards. And I asked her, what, what is that all about? And she explained to me, these are cards that have a Bible verse and I take time and I pray over you through God's word. Can I tell you the times that I have seen my wife with those prayer cards? Can I tell you what that does to me? Can I tell you what that does to my spirit? Can I tell you what that does to my heart? Can I tell you what that does to my leadership? It encourages me to love Shawnee like Jesus loves me. And so here's what I want you to do. 
the next time that you pray, whether it's today or tomorrow morning, whenever you pray, you pray and declare God's word over your husband's life. And you pray something like this, God, I pray that my husband may live out Ephesians 5.25. I pray that he may love me like Christ loves me. You pray James 1.5 over your husband. I pray that my husband may be filled with the wisdom of God. Not the wisdom of a friend, not the wisdom of a co-worker, not the wisdom of a boss, not the wisdom of a coach, but the wisdom from God Almighty. Next time you pray Proverbs 10 9 over your husband, God, may my husband be a man of integrity. May he walk in righteousness. May you protect his eyes, his heart, his mind, his thoughts. You pray Colossians 3.23 over your husband. May my husband be a man who faithfully serves the work of God, the mission of God, the calling of God, God's church. You pray Matthew 6.33 over your husband. May he seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness before anything else. May he seek God before his job. May he seek God before his business. May he seek God before money. May he seek God before his career. May he seek God before his friendships. May he seek God before his hubby. You declare that over your husband's life. I am preaching to somebody today who's watching, who feels they've lost hope. God's hand is never too short to heal and to save. And he can save your husband. He can save your marriage. Maybe your marriage is on the rocks. Maybe your marriage, you feel like it's a disaster. You pray to the God Almighty who can change things. You pray to God for your husband. Here's what I want to do right now in this very moment. I'm going to ask my wife, Shawnee, to lead a prayer for, specifically for all the women of our church. Whether you're single, you're married, been remarried, or divorced. I want my wife to lead this moment now and pray for the women of our church. Amen. Heavenly Father, we are so honored to be here today just to hear from your word, God. Thank you so much because your word comes from you, God, and it's, it is for our good and for your glory, God. And thank you, Father, that you have not left us alone or abandoned, God. You had given us your Holy Spirit to help us fulfill this role. Remind us that honor is our calling as wives and that it is a privilege to be married, God, and it is a blessing. But God, often our blessings turn into burdens. And so in those moments, God, help us to fix our eyes on you and on your word and on your promise. Father. I know there are many women, many wives who are heartbroken, who are sad, who are maybe resentful, who need to maybe deliver, um, forgive their husbands, God. So they're holding on to unforgiveness. I pray, Father, that you and your Holy Spirit would empower them to just uproot those things, hand them over to you, God, and that you would work in their hearts, Father. Bless the marriages of our church. May they be marriages that are glorifying to you, that bring honor to you, God, and that would point people to you, Father. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, babe. Amen. Amen. Well, next weekend, we continue this series, Marriage on the Rocks. And don't forget, we're going to be talking to the husbands next week. You don't want to miss it. For the next two weeks, going to give it to all the guys. And so it's going to be amazing. Make sure that you invite someone. We love you guys. God bless you. Have an incredible day.